This is episode 206 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Potatoes, a staple for food storage with no refrigeration, and How to Put Together a Prepper Blackout Kit. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, did you know that the Prepper Website Podcast is on a ton of different podcast networks? You can make sure that you get the podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other favorite podcast network. And if you're listening on iTunes, we appreciate your subscription and reviews. Uh, yesterday I talked a little bit about, uh, or that I was getting ready to release the weekly Watchmen and current events for the week, and I did that over at edthatmatters.com. Uh, the usual um, the usual videos there, uh, in, except for Jacob Prash. Uh, I guess he didn't release a video this week, but uh, good stuff, and uh, you need to check it out if you're interested in current events. And then, of course, it has that slant uh, from the you know Bible prophecy aspect of it. But again, you're not going to see a lot of these things portrayed in the mainstream media. And sometimes even in the alternative media because they are coming from a more Bible or biblical perspective. So you can go over to edthatmatters.com and uh, check that out. Uh, I'll also link to it in the show notes. Alright, so let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from survivalblog.com. Again, the article is entitled, Potatoes, a staple for food storage with no refrigeration. I think you might like this one. Well, we haven't had one like this uh, uh, before on the podcast. So growing and storing potatoes in the Northwest through the winter months always brought unsatisfactory long-term storage results. It didn't matter how I stored the potatoes after digging, whether in dry sawdust, under a layer of newspaper, on a dark, cool, dry shelf, all had similar results of shriveling and sprouting potatoes before the stored crop was used up. I tried an experiment with the 2016 potato crop. Once I dug the Kennebec potatoes in April of 2017, the results of wonderful plump potatoes spurred me to store the 2017 potato crop the same way. No more shriveled up potatoes. I can dig the potatoes with my hand or a shovel when potatoes are needed in the kitchen. It's just minutes from my garden to kitchen, so that means fresh. Let me explain this new revelation that's such a success. I have grown potatoes in horse troughs for several years. In the summer of 2016, when the foliage dried up and the soil was dry, I pulled the stock tank drain plug, ensuring no water was in the water chamber in the bottom of each trough for the winter month. I decided to leave the potatoes in the dry soil and cover with 12 inches of straw. To keep the sunlight off the potatoes and to protect them from a freeze the winter months might bring. Be sure to cover the troughs with plastic to keep the soil dry throughout the winter and spring so the potatoes wouldn't rot or start sprouting. This was an outstanding discovery knowing we have juicy plump potatoes waiting for the picking when needed. But come May the few potatoes that were left in one trough did start sprouting. Still, they were awesome potatoes, so I picked off the sprouts and consumed the spuds. It is very handy being able to dig potatoes just outside the back door. We turned our back patio into a horse trough garden, 
initially. And now I pick up other tubs at thrift stores, build water chambers in the bottom of the tubs, and grow just about everything. Several years ago, I discovered gardening in horse troughs on the internet with water chambers where the roots of plants uptake the water when needed. We are blessed, because quote-unquote blessed, with hard clay soil where we live, so this newfound gardening method made it possible to grow lush produce of all types with great success and to do so in a small space. I bought six foot long by two foot wide horse troughs, built water chambers in the bottom of each trough. If one buys more than one horse trough, buy the exact same size to minimize one's work in making the water chambers. Let me explain the process in developing water chambers, whether in horse troughs or any other uh, tub deep enough to facilitate a water chamber and still have ample soil, at least 14 inches to 16 inches of soil for growing. For each horse trough, I used 3 inches to 4 inch diameter, what was on hand or picked up at the reuse store, round PVC pipe cut into 5 inch lengths. You can cut shorter depending on the depth of the container and still have enough soil to grow. The PVC pipe sets on end on the bottom of the troughs to support the sheets of perforated soffit barrier that holds the soil. I use soffit material. This is used in overhangs of homes for ventilation to the attic and zip tied together to create the width needed. There is another product out there. It's 3 inch thick polypropylene perforated ridged material that comes in 4 foot by 8 foot sheets. But it's a very expensive product and one has to use a jigsaw to cut this product. I drilled many holes in each round PVC support to displace water as the chamber fills with water. I placed the supports all over the bottom of each trough. Approximately 20 per trough to support the soffit barrier. I accumulate cardboard to make a pattern, taped the cardboard together and then turned over one trough to score the shape of the trough onto the cardboard for the soffit barrier pattern to cut the correct size needed. Using the cardboard as a pattern, I then zip tie soffit material together then used a sharpie pen to mark where to cut with tin snips. I always do some final trimming to the soffit material so it lays snug in the trough on the round PVC supports at the bottom of the trough or tub. Five holes were drilled in the soffit barrier with a hole saw that then placed this, then place the 6 inch long round PVC tubes on end setting on the bottom of the trough. I prepare the PVC tubes by drilling many holes to displace the water. At one end of the soffit material, I use hole saw to drill a hole approximately half inch from the edge of the soffit material to insert a 1.5 inch PVC filler pipe that's 24 inches long. I cut the bottom end of the filler pipe at a 45 degree angle. This fill pipe is how you fill the water chambers. The fill pipe extends above the top of the horse trough or tub. At the same end of the trough as the fill pipe drills a 1 4th inch hole in the side of the horse trough or tub, the height of the soffit platform. So when filling the water chamber, you'll know when the chamber is full. It's full when water spews out of the small holes in the end of the trough. Now, let's get back to the wicking tubes, the 6 inch long tubes extended into the water chamber. Set them on the bottom of the trough or tub, and when dumping dirt onto the soffit barrier, I fill the 6 inch PVC round wicking tubes 
with dirt. The dirt extends down into the water chamber. Take your fist and pack the soil into the PVC wicking tubes. The wicking tubes wick up the water up into the dirt, setting on the softened barrier. The plants take as much moisture as they need when they need it. There is no evaporation with this watering system, and in the heat of the summer months, I fill the water chambers approximately every three to four days. I use a thin wood dipstick to check whether the water chamber needs filling using the fill pipe. The initial expense and in work setting up the water chambers in the horse troughs or tubs is well worth it. Water chambers last for years. I'm going on seven years now with no signs of any deterioration of the horse troughs. I add compost every year to the soil to keep replenishing nutrients for the next growing season. When using plant tubs without a stock tank, drain plug to drain the water from the water chamber for the winter months. One must siphon or pump the water out through the fill pipe in the fall to keep the plastic tub in good condition and keep water from freezing in the water chamber, which can crack the plastic tubs. Cover the tub with plastic to keep rain from filling up the water chambers during the winter in frost zones. Plastic tubs only last a few years due to the sun, but if you replace the exact same size tub, you can reuse all the water chamber soffits and supports in the next tub. There is nothing you can't grow with this system of gardening. To name a few crops you can winter, I will list a few things such as herbs, beets, and even grow carrots through the winter months and then pull them up when needed. It's a great way to grow produce. You can start your garden in much earlier in the spring than those gardening in the ground. One can even hoop with plastic after planting to help the germination of seeds if the spring is unusually cool or wet. One can use glass shower doors on top of the troughs to warm up the soil. I use 4x4s to build a rectangular platform on the ground and then drilled holes to support gray PVC hoops to go over the troughs. Using the gray half inch to 3 fourth inch PVC is a better choice. It's easier to bend and the gray PVC lasts a long time. There are no weeds or very few and no bending over to work the soil and plant. This method is great for gardeners with back issues who want to keep growing a garden. I do have to use a ladder to pick my pole beans that climb a cattle panel erected next to the horse trough. Tomatoes do awesome with this water chamber system, even though they say let the plants stress a little before watering again. But with this system, I've never had a bad tomato crop, and they, they uptake the water when they need it. It's always available for the plant's use. If one is limited on space in their yard or deck, this method of gardening opens up new possibilities with a little time, effort, and initial expense. You too can make it happen. One can even hoop their troughs or tubs to extend the growing season. The possibilities are endless. I do put a layer of straw or chips on top of the soil after planting to help keep the top soil from getting dry. This is just another extra added amenity to propagate healthy soil. I place tubs on dollies for ease of moving around the patio if needed. The yellow netting on the oval galvanized tub is to keep leaf minor flies off the beet leaves. Very successful. After planting seeds, I place window screens obtained from a screen repair shop for free on the troughs and tubs to keep the crows, blue jays, and squirrels from digging up the freshly planted seeds. Some are picked up from a thrift store so I can mound the potatoes as they grew. Google horse trough water system to see how it's done. 
All right, so um, really there are a lot of pictures in this article. So um, it was partly about potatoes and, and using that as a food storage, but mostly more about uh, using it as a garden system and uh, really using it as a, a wicking system. And so uh, I have a little bit of experience with, with this and not necessarily with the horse troughs, um, but there is a guy from Australia that I watch uh, on YouTube and he made uh, a self pruning self wicking um, pot and basically what he did was he took a, a 55 gallon drum a plastic drum cut it in half and then he drilled big uh, holes into the side of it and he used more like a uh, a big round uh, drill bit that you would use for for doors uh, and uh, later on he decided that you know it that's a little too, too much work and so he just used a jigsaw to cut big panels out uh, but after you you do that then you go ahead and put a layer of uh, a protectant screen uh, around it that can and that kind of help that keeps a barrier from uh, you with the the big uh, panels that you cut into it right and uh, that holds the dirt inside but uh, the, the actual the self wicking part of it comes where you get landscaping uh, pipe and that's the you know that uh, I don't know if you those of you that are up north you know I don't know if you have this or not but it's um, down here in the south it's, it's a big pipe that uh, is used it's, it kind of looks a little like PVC pipe but it's expandable and it has holes all in it and uh, then you you buy a uh, kind of a sock sock material that goes around it and you tie it off and so um, and then you cut into uh, that that pipe and you put the filler pipe like she talked about there and so uh, we, this the sock that you put around it and I, I for the life of me I can't remember the name of, of the material but I mean I bought all of this at Home Depot uh, and so you put this, you go ahead and put that at the very bottom of the, uh, of the, the wicking, so this 55, half of the 55 gallon barrel. And uh, of course you don't cut the panels uh, low enough to where uh, this pipe can be. And so then after that you go ahead and put sand in, on top of that and then you fill the rest of it with, uh, with dirt. And uh, it works just exactly like she's talking about here with these horse troughs. Um, the, the water will seep through the landscaping pipe and the sock, um, but the sock uh, creates a barrier to where the sand doesn't go and clog it all up. And so the water seeps through, it soaks the sand, and then the sand, uh, the, the, the soil will soak up the water through the sand and it waters your, um, it waters your plants. Now the reason behind the self-wicking, self-pruning self is uh, the reason he did it was he put together um, uh, trees. So he, he used it to create a, a, a big root system for one of his trees. So you put a tree in there and as the tree sends out roots, as it touches, um, as it gets to the end of the, the 55 gallon drum and uh, it gets to uh, air, it'll, it'll stop. It'll stop there and then it'll send out another root. So what happens after two years, you have a really big root system that uh, you can transplant that in there and, and really transplant that into the ground and uh, be a little bit more successful uh, with, your, with your trees. 
but it works the same way if you want to use it for gardening or whatever. And so self-wicking um, planters are, are really great to use. Now she's really here in this, um, I don't know if it's um, a woman or a man, but uh, in, in this article here, they're using these troughs in so many different ways. So they're you know, not only are they using the self-wicking aspect of it, but they are using it like a greenhouse method because they're creating hoops and uh, they're doing a, a, you know, a lot of cool things here. So if you go over to Survival Blog, you'll be able to see this. Um, you'll be able to see the, all the pictures here. And I believe I do have. Uh, I did create an article back in the day for another website, and I think I have. Uh, I have it on Ed that matters. Uh, my self-wicking, uh, self-wicking, self-pruning pot. So you can kind of see what I'm talking about there. But if you're in a situation where um, you know you you don't you can't go out there and water every single day, and maybe you're not putting it in the ground, but you want to have pots, uh, and and you can ha get some of these bigger pots. Uh, I know uh, Nurse Amy uh, did a video on uh, a self-wicking, uh, a self-wicking uh, tote. She actually just used a tote like you would buy from like Walmart or something like that. And uh, she put a couple of uh, tomato plants in there. And uh, so if I can't, I'll, if I can find that, I'll find that one. But it's it's a really great way to to garden if you don't want to go out there and water every single day. You can fill up the chamber and uh, you know go three or four, sometimes even longer, depending on what it is. But yeah, you're right. It, you can do that, and uh, you don't have to water so much. Uh, and then also you're not wasting water because it is. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it, there's no evaporation whatsoever, uh, and uh, it's it's really a really good deal. And so um, I recommend that if if you're looking for a way to garden and you're not sure, you you know, you don't have room to uh, put it into the ground, and you're wanting to do some kind of um, you know container gardening, this is a really really great option, and it's not very hard at all. And then the added benefit is what uh, you know the author of this article found is that she was able to keep her potatoes um, you know she during the winter time she was able to drain the horse troughs uh, and so that the, the dirt would would go ahead and dry out uh, was able to put some straw on top and covered it up and for you know her potatoes stayed uh, you know stayed good all the way through pretty much winter I think she said it was finally May when she uh, she had to go ahead and she saw some some sprouts coming up uh, but uh, man, that's 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 really great. So I would encourage you if you're looking for uh, a, a way to container garden other than uh, just you know buying some containers and uh, some big some big planters and, and going that way. This is a really great option. And so I really think that you should come check this out. There's a lot of great pictures. You can see um, her pole beans. I mean the suckers are huge and how she's managing it there. And uh, she's uh, got the hoops out and so she's got a really big system going on over here um, so kudos to, kudos to um, this uh, this author now this is over at survival blog so there's you know there's 17 comments uh, always good information there people asking questions and people giving a little bit more information so I encourage you to go check that out uh, like always we link to um, the article in our you know in the show notes and over at uh, episode 206 of the prepper website podcast Alright, so let's go ahead and jump into our next article. Our next article comes to us from the survivalistblog.net. And uh, this article is entitled, How to Put Together a Prepper Blackout Kit. Uh, I know a lot of people consider 
uh, you know, consider the, the lights going out for whatever reason. And so this might be something that you want to consider. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and read this article and come back. And uh, actually, I probably am going to stop and talk of, uh, about a few things here as we go through uh, as we go through this article. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. Like I said, over at the survivalistblog.net, the title is How to Put Together a Prepper Blackout Kit. Years ago, I put together a kit like the one I'm going to lay out in this book. I kept it in an old toolbox which resided in the living room in table cabinet. This kit wasn't my only strategy for blackouts as I had small flashlights stashed in nightstands, kitchen drawers, and medicine cabinets. Actually, I don't think you would be more than six feet away from a flashlight anywhere you stand in my home. I've been through many a blackout in my life and have refined my blackout kit many times and it changed very little. It's no longer in the toolbox and I now have a boating dry box for all the gear. At the time I put together my kit, there was very little out there as far as information uh, is concerned. So I used common sense to stock the kit and kept it simple. But once the internet came of age, I searched far and wide on the subject and what I found is that too many people out there tried to make this kit more than it needed to be. For example, one forum article suggested keeping food, water, and first aid supplies in it. My question is why? This is a blackout kit for power outages and not for a general survival kit for major or minor emergencies. Use the KISS method for preps. It just makes it easier. If you need an expanded kit like a generator kit, common sense will tell you to have extension cords, suicide cable, and power strips. All that makes sense, but I would also be inclined to toss a flashlight or a headlamp in the top of that kit so you'll have a way to see what you're hooking up. Let me show you what I've done here as an example and use it for ideas in making your own blackout kit. The first item you'll need to put in this kit is a large flashlight. You need a good one like the classic Maglight. Don't get the cheap plastic flashlights out there. Don't do it. They don't work well and they do break easily. Get a good 2-cell D or C-cell Maglite that will set you back $20 to $30 and a big 4-cell four four is around $35. They are built like a tank, a very durable flashlight. Maglite also makes a damn fine LED D-cell light. The simple 2-D-cell standard Maglite is on the top tray of my kit. You should have at least one large flash, flashlight in the kit. Alright, so uh, I'm going to just deviate right here from what this, uh, this author is saying here. The mag lights back in the day, I, I would, would have suggested, yeah, go for it because they were really well built. But I think there's a lot of great flashlights out there now that are being built. And uh, I have talked about that Outlight A100. Um, I talked about that in my, uh, the article that I wrote for, about Hurricane Harvey. And uh, I just said that that one was a really great, uh, a great one. Now I did encounter a little problem with it uh, uh, not clicking on uh, after I had unscrewed it and, and put these rechargeable batteries because the rechargeable batteries are pretty phenomenal. They last a long time. You can charge them up multiple times. Uh, you know, if you have some kind of a solar system to be able to charge, uh, you, you know, you can go that route and you're not stocking a ton, a ton of batteries. And uh, because they have LED lights, I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty powerful. Um, they don't eat up a lot of the power. So, uh, you know, you get, you get a lot for the, you know, out of these batteries. But 
uh, I started doing a little bit of research because I had talked about this flashlight so much and I thought it was such a great deal and, and all that but then I couldn't believe that it wasn't working for me and I was kind of getting a little upset but I did a little bit of research and so when you and I figured out what it was when you take the the end off um, there you just take uh, some needle nose pliers and you do a uh, you you put it inside the 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 backing and you just do a little bit of a, of a clockwise turn and for some reason it tightens it up and it works like a charm I really need to do a video on it because all I saw was I found one article on it and uh, I believe it was the manufacturers um, website that put it out there but I think maybe uh, a, a quick little video will help explain it a little bit better but uh, I so I don't know if you need those mag lights um, for you know the $35 that he was talking about you could get uh, two of these out lights and uh, two of the rechargeable batteries with the battery pack and uh, you know it would go go a long long way so um, uh, you kind of have to you know feel it out for yourself on that one where you want to go uh, continuing on now you may want to add some smaller flashlights like the defiant four pack at home depot for twelve dollars or the ozark trail 10 pack for fourteen dollars both of which include the batteries even Harbor Freight has a two-pack of LED lights with batteries for $3, so spring for a couple packages of these and there will be no dark corners in your home. You can't beat that deal with any stick. It would cost more for you to replace the batteries alone. You can pick up these right after hurricane season is over or during uh, or after the Christmas sales. Next item in the box is spare batteries. Your brand, your choice, but it's copper tops for me. They've given me the best service life and rarely any leakage. Be sure to watch for coupons. In making your kit, keep in mind all the battery sizes you'll need based on the things you put in the kit. AAA, AA, C's, and D's. I recommend you add a headlamp to your kit for me. It is a must-have, so I have two of them in the top tray. There will be a time you will need to work hands-free in the dark, like when refueling a generator or hanging plastic over a broken window. There are many on the market. I've gone with this model from Energizer. I have one in my first aid kit too. Depending on the type they are, $10 to $25, just get one. Even better, get two. So uh, I, I do like that idea of the headlamps. I, I do think those are um, very handy if you need to have you know both hands free and so I think that is something that you should have um, you know in, even in your bug out bags uh, and uh, I like the, the idea of having them in the survival kit or in the in the first aid kit because uh, a lot of the times you know when we think about our first aid kits we're thinking hey it's gonna be daylight we're gonna be able to work that way but sometimes you know uh, it doesn't always work the way that you planned it out and you need to get to your things in the middle of the, and, and help someone you know in in the dark and so having a headlamp right there in your uh, first aid survival kit I think is a, is a great great idea that I've never really heard anybody else talk about so uh, that might be something you want to consider uh, glow sticks would be a good addition to the kit their soft glow is easy on the eyes and helps with your night vision I use them to mark places like the like at the top of my stairwell, stairwell so nobody will accidentally fall if they find themselves without a flashlight. I also use them to mark hallways, bathrooms, and electrical panels. They come in multiple colors, mix or match to your own liking, and at $4 a two-pack. 
I am sure someone else knows where a better deal is. Please keep in mind that these items do have a relatively short shelf life and will need to be replaced every year or so. As an optional item, I put a couple of Ziploc bags full of tea light candles with a box of matches in the bottom of my box along with a few votive candle holders. Please be careful if you choose to use candles as they could pose a fire hazard. This one is at your own risk. Fire is not a toy, but to be fully respected. And uh, I think I talked a little bit about that during Harvey when we lost lights. Uh, you know, it, it was still warm uh, out, you know, it, it was August time. It's still warm, but uh, we went ahead uh, just to kind of save batteries and things like that. We did uh, light a candle, and uh, you know we made sure that it was safe. We made sure that it was out of the way, and it was kind of high, so it did provide light just in case anybody needed to get up and and you know go to the restroom or whatever. But it provided that light so that anybody could get to their flashlight. Um, but uh, you know we it wasn't a, a small tea light. It was one of those you know bigger uh, you know scented candle type things uh that uh you know have the the high walls on the on the candle and all that good stuff so uh definitely uh i am a believer in candles if you are careful i think they uh they really work let's take a minute to discuss emergency communications or comms for short in any blackout a good quality radio will keep you informed of news and weather most radios come with am and fm bands while a few others will include some shortwave bands like this Grundig radio I show below. I found it on eBay for $20. You may want to get a dedicated countertop weather radio for the home like a Midland WR120. These are normally quiet unless there is an alert, but there is also a manual mode so you can listen to the local weather report loop for your area. An optional item I've included in my kit is a set of GMRS or FRS radios with weather bands. These cost about $50. You can use these to talk with each other when walking outside the house to investigate the power outage or other storm damage. The GMRS frequencies do require an FCC license, FRS channels do not. To finish off your blackout kit, you're going to need a box to put all this stuff in. For me, I purchased a large flambeau dry box for my blackout kit from Walmart.com for $25. It, was, it will hold a lot of gear and keep it organized. They sell smaller ones for around $5 at Harbor Freight, which is a good starter size, but you may want to expand your kit later. You can use an old toolbox or even a 5-gallon bucket. Altogether, I spent around $130 for my kit, and I'm always looking for a way to upgrade or improve it. Don't forget to mark your calendar to remind you to perform regular maintenance on your kit. That way, you can make sure it is always ready to use. I service my kit every three months. Now that I've shown you my blackout kit, it's time to build yours. You can duplicate mine or you can change it up to make it your own. Whatever you do, just make a blackout kit because sooner or later you are going to need it. Alright, so uh, good article there. Uh, hopefully that kind of inspires some of y'all to uh, start a blackout kit. There's uh, over 40 comments here at the, the survivalistblog.net uh, website. So uh, you definitely want to come check this out. Uh, you'll, you'll definitely find a lot of great information in the comment section, as well as uh, seeing some of the pictures that, that uh, you get to see here in the article. Now, uh, the blackout kit uh, idea here. I think uh, one of the things, and I don't know exactly when this was written, he, he refers to a book, so I don't know if this was taken from a book or um, if you know this was uh, if this is a fairly new article or not but I think uh, battery banks have come a very very long way and so you can buy uh, very inexpensive battery banks 
that will charge USB lights. Uh, and uh, I, I have purchased a couple of LED stringed lights and you can buy the you can just buy a single light or you can buy them to where you can string them along with to each other and connect them to like a, a battery bank and uh, they, it just it looks like a, a plastic bulb and uh, they work really really well they have on and off switches and uh, it's just it's pretty amazing so I think that's one thing that I would consider there um, I have a little tote so I don't have a, a dry box or something like that I have a tote where I keep my stuff in there but uh, you know the things that I'm going to keep in there as well um, is going to be my inverter so uh, you know during Harvey I talked a little bit about that during Harvey I connected my inverter to my truck and uh, made sure that you know we ran the, the refrigerator so that we didn't lose anything in the refrigerator and kept it cool um, in that blackout kit. Um, like he mentioned before, uh, you know if you were using a generator uh, of some sort, you're going to have extension cords. So uh, I don't have extension cords there because I just keep them in the garage. But I do have like a, an extra strip, electrical strip, um, extra plugs to uh, adapters and different things like that. Uh, and then some. One of the things that I did buy as well uh, after Christmas, uh, a Christmas cell, they had some LED lights, and uh, you know that don't draw a whole lot of power, but uh, I did buy some, and so you can uh, you know use those. Uh, and uh, I, I think I bought I bought like they had boxes for like a dollar, so I bought like a whole case of them of, of twelve or something like that. And uh, you can string them along. They won't eat up a lot of power. But so if you you're working off of, of a battery bank and not necessarily, uh, you know, like a US, you know, one where you would you know, connect a USB, but maybe you have uh, a battery bank of deep cells, uh, you know, that you that you have connected uh, together and you're running together and you can run uh, those uh, LED string lights for a long, long time. Uh, they also sell during Christmas time so really this is the time to be looking for these because uh, I have a couple of these as well that uh, there are uh, th there are stringed lights so like Christmas lights that have little solar panels on them so you can recharge them and I really I haven't looked at mine in a while I need to go I really need to bust them out and, and look at them again um, you know there there's some gonna be some battery there that that's gonna have to take the charge but uh, we did use them and they did work and so they just uh, they make sure that the uh, the solar panel is out there during uh, during the day and it charges up the battery and then you're able to use the lights at night and so that might be one thing that you would want to throw in to uh, a blackout kit like this but definitely the battery or the the flashlights uh, rechargeable batteries and like I said battery banks to make sure that you uh, you know you're having you're charging your phones and, and, and important things like that I love the idea of the radio because a radio is important to be able to to know what's going on because if it's uh, if it's just a local you know your neighborhood has has uh, gone black um, fine and a lot of the times you can find your your local um, utility company will have some kind of a map and to uh, let you know at least you know here in the Houston area I can go to center points map and it will tell me where uh, you know, people who have uh, who, who don't have electricity and and, and uh, even an estimated time where it'll come back on uh, I don't know if everyone has that but definitely here in Houston has that so if you have a phone you can get that kind of information so if, it, if it's a real localized event you know it's going to be a temporary thing but if it's a bigger event 
um, you know, it's going to be a, a couple of days. You definitely want to be able to get to the news and find out what's going on, and that's pretty important. And uh, so, you know, something that something to, uh, to to consider there. And there's a lot of other things you can you can include in your blackout kit. A lot of other things that uh, you know that will help to create some power. Maybe you have somebody in your household that uh, can't get too too hot. And you need to consider something like that, you know. Uh, maybe you have somebody in your in your in your um, in your family who is uh, who needs a, a machine to uh, help them breathe and and those kinds of things. If that's the case, you really need to be paying attention and and have some kind of means uh, if the lights go out to be able to connect their their um, their their machine and and to be able to support that. So uh, hopefully you do. I know that uh, food storage mom always talks about her the Goal Zero, um, Goal Zero, and and her devices that she has over there. I don't know exactly which one she uses. I think she has a couple of different ones, but uh, that might be something to, to to consider. Or you know, buying a little solar, uh, a small solar setup. Uh, it's not very expensive, and getting a couple of deep cell um, batteries. And, and connecting them, it's not very, very hard to do. There's a lot of information on the internet about that. And maybe that's something we'll revisit here again really soon. So again, uh, that's over at the survivalistblog.net. Um, you want to go check that out. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, like I said, uh, good article and a lot of comments over there as well. All right, guys, that's it for episode 206. Uh, I'd like to thank you for being a part of the episode or the podcast and uh, just you know appreciate all the support out there um, you know always always hearing from you and so if you'd like to connect with me as well uh, feel free to uh, come over to the prepper website podcast.com uh, you can leave me a, a comment in episode 206 you can uh, get my email address there send me an email or you can hit me up on twitter facebook or instagram and uh, really i try to spend a lot of the time uh, over on the facebook group uh, you know building a more self-reliant life so uh, if you're not a part of that i welcome you to come over and join that you can uh, you can click on the free facebook group button on uh, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com or just type in your web browser of moreselfrelientlife.com and that will take you straight over there. You click the join button and we'll get you in there and uh, you know, love for you to uh, be part of that learning community over there. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.